0: I love it. Oh, it's good to be together this morning. I just want to say I love you all. I'm I'm just so grateful to be a part of this church family. I'm so grateful that we're in this on this mission together and for those of you who are watching, what a what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to worship Jesus freely. Hey, is anyone, I get so excited about that that we actually get to really, really love Jesus. And are there youth in here? We have our youth in here. Can you stand if you are a youth, whether you went to camp or not? I am, uh, yeah. I just want to say I'm very very excited to have each and every no, stay standing to have each and every one of you in this ministry. We need you. We celebrate you. We love you. We're so proud of you. And I just I want to declare fire upon fire upon fire upon fire that if you went to camp or didn't go to camp but some of your memories of encounters with God, can people just lay hands on them around them just just, I just really feel like um, the Holy Spirit is imparting like um, never-ending fire on the inside of you. So just hold. I want to invite you to hold out your hands with expectation, like Jesus is coming with a with a gift that can never ever run out this morning. And I feel like there is stamina coming by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to run the race. Even right now, we as people who are a little bit older than you, maybe a little bit ahead of you, we hand the baton to you very proudly and we give you permission to run, to run and not grow weary, to soar higher than we could ever soar. We value the gift of God in each of you and we call about that gift. And I declare that each and every one of you are mighty, fiery warriors in the kingdom, that and that you would not despise your youth, that you would not think, I've got to wait till I'm a grown-up to express God on the inside of me. We give you permission to let Him out right now. <laughs> in Jesus' name. And we lift off all pressure. We lift off, even as you're going back to school this week or going back to homeschool, whatever it is, we lift off all pressure to conform, and we bless you to be totally transformed and being washed by the Holy Spirit, washed by Jesus, and have your minds transformed and and your oneness that I believe that this year is a year of you having a greater revelation of you being completely one with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo. I'm excited about Youth Camp. I'm like, I, I wasn't a, a Christian when I was a youth. I'm like, oh man, I missed out, big time. <laughs> oh, I just really, really, really love Jesus, and I get excited about him. I'm happy to share my excitement with you. You can join me if you like. <laughs> I just, I mean, I said this in the earlier service, I, I, I just really, really, really love Jesus. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life. I am a first generation Christian, the first Christian in my family that I know of. There probably were some somewhere along the line, but I'm so eternally thankful to my heavenly daddy that he reached down into the pit and he saw me before anyone else knew me before even my mom and dad knew I was going to be part of their family. He saw me. He knitted me together. He did that for each and every one of us. He he had a vision of us before time began. And he he pulled us up out of that miry clay and he set our feet on, on him who is the rock. And he is a 100% firm foundation, so full of love, so full of mercy, so full of grace, and so worthy of our adoration and our praise and our affection and our words and our time and our worship and everything. (laughs) He's so good. He is so, so good. He's a good father. And if you ever question that, I just want to encourage you, look at the cross. Look at Jesus on the cross where he's saying, with his arms opened wide, I love you. I forgive you. I welcome you into my family. And then we get to just enjoy his presence forever, now and forever. His love is so good. And I will never, ever, ever get tired of his love. I never will ever move on from the Father's love because my Father's love makes all the difference in who I am and who he's called me to be. And in the world around me, the world that I get to love, that we get to love he loves the world through us, and he 's so good so today, <laughs> I just want to talk a bit more about Jesus and his amazing love and we 've been doing a little mini thing on love. <laughs> not that love is a mini thing <laughs> it 's the main thing <laughs> um, <laughs> but we, <laughs> but i 'm just carrying on with this little uh part of of my of of the love series and And I'm going to talk today about loving our enemies. Yay! (laughs) I'm excited about it. You know, Jesus said love your enemies in in multiple places. I'm going to look at Matthew 5 today. And um, that statement that Jesus made, love your enemies, I think is probably one of the most radical and revolutionary statements that anyone has ever made because it's so counter Cultural, it's so counter the world, it's so even counter to human nature, um, particularly the sinful nature. but um, it is nonetheless the radical in invitation that we have as um, being followers of Jesus as being one with Jesus that we get to love, love the world around us, love our neighbors, but also love our enemies. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes even struggle with loving my neighbor. <laughs> Does anyone else find that? Maybe the person next to you. Uh, <laughs> maybe your next-door neighbor, literally, you know. Uh, I think Murray mentioned the other week, sometimes he was struggling, and I do too, to love our HOA for <laughs> all the rules and regulations that they put on us. But anyway, but I bless the HOA. Um, <laughs> if anyone's watching, I love my HOA. <laughs> but, um, but I, I want to share a little bit from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus gave this incredible Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. I'm going to focus mainly on verse 43 to, to 48, but just before we get into it, there, were, there are a few statements that Jesus... Um, that Jesus made um, in this passage that are pretty radical, you know, uh, he, in this, in these statements, I think Jesus is completely resetting um, what our life is meant to be like, what, what we get to do as being kids of the kingdom, being in the kingdom of God, the life that we get to live, and and while we might think these these things are hard, I think they're really possible in Christ Jesus. and um, loving our enemies is one of these things that He has called us to do. and um, I think even though it may be hard. It is very possible in Christ Jesus. And he makes some other statements. It's kind of crazy. You know, we have the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to um, neglect it or abolish it, but to actually fulfill every letter, every dot, every I, and cross every T because we were not able to do it. So I'm very thankful to Jesus and will always be. But um, but he makes these statements here that t- almost takes us to, like, this new level. And if you look... Um, He talks about uh, it says he'll say things like, You have heard it said, and then he says, But I say to you. So there are like six statements, five of them. One of them is don't murder. It says, Don't murder. But then he says, So you have heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, you are liable to judgment. So he he takes it out of the realm of, of the action, which is an external thing, and puts it onto the internal world, our internal world, and says it's not just about your actions. It's about the internal world that's going, all this stuff going on the inside of you, and I see what's going on the inside of you. So let me, let me invite you into my higher law of love, <laughs> which is it's not just don't murder, but don't even let your angry thoughts cause you to enter into the place of judgment because you're holding on to that anger and the bitterness. So, and he says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look lustfully at a woman, and we could also put a man in that place because women can look at men lustfully too. We're not out of that... um, we're not let off the hook here but if you look at a look lustfully at a woman you've already committed adultery in your heart so again he's saying it's not just about the act but even what's going on again on the inside he's like i'm inviting you even higher it's not just don't commit adultery but don't even look at one of my creations with lust in your heart and um And there's other things that he says, you know, he talks about retaliation, you know, if someone um, slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek as well. And don't, um, you know, don't repay evil with evil. And so Jesus calls us to this higher realm, which seems impossible, but in him is completely possible, For us. And and so the invitation here today is love your enemies. So that's the sixth statement that he makes. Let's just read Matthew 5 verse 43 to 48. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version because I really like this. So it says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus actually never said hate your enemy. He's talking about something that possibly the Pharisees added to it and but we'll just leave that for now. It said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who, who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus is inviting us into this journey of loving our enemies, treating people who are perceived enemies in completely the opposite way. It's such an upside-down upside down kingdom, isn't it? You know, in, in the world, it would be um, if someone hurts you, hurt them back, retaliate, punish, judge, you know, push them away. But Jesus is, it, it's just phenomenal, the love that he has that would enable us to be able to love and move towards and bless and pray for those who persecute us, so Jesus had enemies, and so do we, or if you don't at the moment, you will at some point, but I 'm sure we could all probably say that we've experienced behavior from someone else that has felt like enemy behavior. Uh, Jesus had one of his really close friends betray him, didn't he, and treat and actually he he enabled the guards to come and get Jesus, although he went willfully to the cross. Um, Judas was, was, was behaving like an enemy in the way that he related to Jesus. So even one of his closest friends betrayed him and wanted him to suffer and endure pain. So we, I think we can all relate to that in some way or another. And I just wanted to kind of look at um, who is an enemy in this, because I think sometimes we have this this concept, we'll say, oh, I don't have any enemies because we think of, you know, the traditional, well, you know, over in Russia with all of the nuclear weapons, they're our enemy. Or over in, you know, when, when we think about enemies, we kind of think more, um, you know, other nations or elsewhere. But I think the reality is that even sometimes in our own families, we can experience um, pain and it feels like someone is being an enemy to us. And I would also pretty much guarantee that we have treated somebody else in our lifetime as though they were our enemy. So therefore, you know, uh, demonstrating enemy behavior to them where we've wanted to separate from them and punish them and, and hurt them. So let's just have a look at, at what, how Jesus defined enemies for us in, the, in this passage who are our enemies? So if you look at the, the, the descriptions that he gives, he says, um, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. So enemies are people who curse you. So they say unkind things, cruel things about you or to you. Has anyone ever experienced that at the hand of the voice of someone else where somebody has said, and maybe not their voice, but they've said something on social media, like you've made a post and someone's kind of cut you down or corrected you in a harsh way. It can feel like an enemy. It can feel like they're pushing, the the division's coming. Um, It says uh, it's also people who oppose us, who curse us, so people who speak. badly about us who are unkind and people who hate us so they deliberately want bad things to happen to us they they think and feel unkindly and unfairly towards us they they have harmful intentions or maybe clear hostility towards us they want bad things to happen to us. And maybe they want to do bad things to us. Maybe they have done bad things to us. So they hate us. They don't treat us according to um, how God would, would have them treat us. And enemies are also people who spitefully use you and persecute you. So they spitefully use you. They use you for their own gain. They want to step up on you. So they want to step over you or get ahead of you. An enemy will not care about your good. They'll behave like an orphan and want all the good for themselves. So they'll, they'll scrape and, and fight and compete and try to win so that they, because probably they're afraid that there's not enough favor to go around. And, and they want to, to come ahead of you and over you and maybe treat you a bit like a doormat. So they will persecute you, they'll spitefully use you and persecute you. To persecute means to pursue with harassing or oppressive treatment, to annoy or trouble persistently. Has anyone here ever been pursued with harassing or oppressive treatment? I have. I mean, maybe, it happens a lot, I notice on social media these days. Social media is wonderful, but it's a place where we can often get to vent without love because the pers- it, it kind of separates us from the person. We're not with them in their presence. So we feel a whole lot more boldness sometimes to say things that actually we wouldn't have the courage to say to their face. And it can sometimes be a bit oppressive and it can sometimes be quite cruel and unkind and it can be harassing. You know, there's a lot of cyberbullying that goes on with young, young people these days. And, I mean, there may be people here that have experienced that. And it can be incredibly tormenting and, and painful and uh, very real. And so I think we, we all have experienced that kind of, of behavior before. When I was in elementary school, kindergarten... In my first year of school, I had this experience that felt like this oppressive treatment and um, harassing from a girl who was my friend. And um, one day she was annoyed with me. I don't even know what the issue was. Um, And she, she said she said to me, and she had a a sister in grade six in Australia, our elementary school is K through six. And she had a sister in grade six, who to me looked like my mother. She was like a tall, she felt really tall and big and much bigger than I was. And so she she told me that she was going to get her sister and her friends to come and find me at lunchtime. And as the little five-year-old Ash it was extremely intimidating and I was really scared and I've had healing for that now, but I I can I, I feel compassion for my little self who didn't know Jesus with her in those moments, even though he was with me. And I there was this oppression that was coming through this other little girl um, using her big sister and her friends. And anyway, at lunch the lunchtime I decided to to kind of try and keep myself safe. I would hide somewhere really clever so that they wouldn't be able to find me. That's how scared I was. I'm like, I just wish someone would have come to that little ash. (laughs) Jesus did in my healing memory. He's wonderful like that. But um, anyway, at the end of my lunch break, I went back into class thinking that I had escaped the, the oppressors. And my friend said to me, told me exactly where I was hiding and that her sister and her friends saw me. And even though there was obviously some relief for me that I didn't get found and hurt or teased, there was also still an element of threat and torment that they would have been that smart to know where I was hiding and maybe they could come get me again. So I I think we've all experienced, and unfortunately, it doesn't always just happen when we're little, you know, in our workplaces, in our universities, in our Schools, even on the road, we can experience that kind of oppressive treatment or persistent trouble from people who have an issue with us for whatever reason. Can't we? It doesn't just go away when you grow up. So it's really good as parents to to help our kids navigate through through um, those kind of experiences because they don't just go away when you're a grown up. Anyway, so we all can experience spiteful, uh, where people spitefully using us or persecuting us, um, and our enemy could be someone who has mildly hurt us. It's maybe not a major issue, but but they've treated us unkindly, and it's quite painful for us and hurtful. So it's it's it may be not a massive thing, but it can still feel like enemy behaviour, because. They're, dry, they're kind of pushing us away and rejecting us. So it feels like they're our enemy. Or maybe it could be somebody who's committed a serious offense against us. They could have done something that's incredibly painful, like um, a husband leaving a wife or a wife leaving a husband and um, having an affair. Or it could be uh, that physical um, abuse, sexual abuse, and and really serious things that people have done, um, you know, with their own hands, with their own bodies towards us. And it's it's very, very um, painful to be the victim of that kind of enemy behavior. They can also be, they could be someone who has completely devastated our lives. So somebody who has, you know, there's been a lot of... um, uh, stuff happening in this nation in regards to with gun violence, where people have, um, you know, gone into uh, places where where the community should be free to move around safely and in their own pain and sin, they have enormously altered the course of people's lives or taken their lives. Because of their own pain, they've they've done things and behaved like enemies towards those people, and actually that has affected multiple people. You have one person who's been murdered, and that affects their family, their community, and and it can be completely devastating. and And obviously, then we have you know wars and and that they may be visit physically, sorry, physically or verbally abusive towards us. They may physically attack us or verbally attack us. An enemy may simply gossip about us. But gossip is, is painful because it spreads and it's not honoring. And often you know when it's happening, when people are gossiping about you, sometimes you just know. And it can be painful and it can cause hurt and harm to a community. Gossip is horrible. <laughs> like a bushfire. It just takes off. Um, An enemy could, um, they may harass us because of our beliefs. You know, I think, you know, God is calling us as, as his followers at times to stand for what is right, to stand for what is godly, and to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth. And when we do this sometimes, Actually, we can, we can be uh, tormented or harassed or rejected or be seen as the enemy. Um, and we can be pushed away and treated harshly by people around us because we make a stand for what we believe. It may, and this may not be just out there in the public. It could even be in your family. You know, my family, when I first got saved particularly, they mocked me for um, following Jesus. They didn't understand, and I love them, but I was, I was mocked by them. They made fun of me, and it can be quite, you can feel quite isolated, and it can be harmful, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, and I think in this, you know, with some of the things that we're facing, even in this nation, we're actually going to probably, even though we've, you know, we've, this is there are a lot of Christians in this nation. We're getting to a, a, a season where as we stand up for what we believe and what is um, what the truth, the truth of, of Jesus, then persecution will come. And it's not going to just be anymore over in a foreign country. It, it may be here. Many people get persecuted for their faith. Um, and enemies may also just be on the opposite side politically to us. You know, we they may just have a different opinion to us, and it feels like they're an enemy. We may have we often what happens when we are having this kind of um, enemy encounter, or it becomes an enemy encounter when we when we lump people into a whole group and we label that group and we say things like, "Oh." those democrats those republicans those liberals those conservatives those mexicans those you know whatever you can put whatever there i i I don't i'm not i don't want to dishonor anyone who's from mexico Here, but you often hear people talking about the Mexicans and it it starts to create, you become like an enemy when you start that kind of language. It's like we put a label on a bunch of people and we dehumanize them. We make them as if they are not actually um, carrying the value and the very handprint of God and we treat them like they're uh, not even human and it's wrong. It's not what the father intended for us as his kids. He intended for us as his kids to be so filled with love, so full of his love, that even when we don't understand someone else, even when we don't agree with someone else, even when we don't necessarily like someone else, we can still operate out of love. Towards them. It, we don't have to be divided by our political beliefs. We don't have to be divided about our beliefs about sexuality. We do not, we we might disagree and we might stand for what we feel is biblical truth, but we can still love. Love can always be at the top of that relationship. Our relationships with the world are not based on truth, the foundation is love. Truth can come from that, but, but love is the foundation. You know, for God so loved the world. He so loved us when we were far from him, when we were separated, when we did not want anything to do with him, when we hated him, when we rejected him, when we um, sneered at him and hurled insults at him. He so loved, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so loved his whole creation that he, and he was motivated by that love to step towards us, to give, to act upon it. He gave his only Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. His love always causes him to act, to move towards, to come, to give and we have the same love on the inside of us because we are one with him forever and we can access that yeah it's worth celebrating <laughs> so instead of what we uh, you know our, what our beliefs are or our opinions are I'll say our opinions instead of that being the the wall that we erect that causes separation and drives a wedge between us and somebody else who looks maybe different to us who has a different upbringing who has a different economic status who has a different skin color who has a different um you know who who may identify as homosexual who you know what whatever you could ever think us and them about and, and put a wall between us saying, well, I'm different, you're different, so we can't meet. Jesus is smashing those walls down. And the what he's using to smash those walls down is you and me with his love. He is wanting so much for us to be transformed by his love that we jump over those walls, that we move towards. We do not dehumanize, but we treat each person before us as a valued person. Um, a valued human being who's created in the image of, of their creator. So what is, it's very dangerous when we, when we get into that place of a little bubble, that echo chamber, that's, echo chamber that says, I only like to be with people who are like me, who agree with me, who think the same as me, who tell me how good I am, who don't correct me. When we're in that place, that's a dangerous place to be. And I want to encourage you, if you find yourself only surrounded by people who look like you, talk like you, walk like you, have the same opinion as you, have the same beliefs as you, have the same um, skin color as you, have the same uh, economic status as you, I want to encourage you. That is the time where you step out and you go and you move towards and you build a bridge and you choose to love and you choose to see the value and you say, hey, I want to get to know you. You're different than me and you may not look like me. And, and this can happen in here, in this room, in this body, but also out in the world out in our families. You know, some of us, our families are a bit weird and unusual and don't believe the same things as we do. But who's going to love them? But who's going to love them? Us. It's our, it's our absolute opportunity. We get to love them. <laughs> Woo. Ah, so what does Jesus command us to do in this? And I, I believe that it is a command in here. It's a, an invitation command. <laughs> with our enemies. What does he say? He says, love them, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. You know, praying for people, C.S. Lewis says, my prayer doesn't change who God is, doesn't change God, but it changes me. Praying for people who feel like enemies can often change our heart towards them. God can use that to change our heart as we pray. And in that place of prayer, we bless them. I, I, I start with prayer. Start being in the presence of Jesus and hearing his heart, communing with him and allowing him to unblock the, the issues of my heart. So I pray for them. And then in that place of prayer, I'm able to bless because I Jesus opens up my eyes to actually see them as he sees them. And I'm able to speak blessing over them. I'm able to say, I want good for you. I actually want you to know and experience the love of your heavenly daddy, even if we don't agree. So I can pray for them. I can bless them. I can do good to them. So out of the place of blessing them, my heart gets changed and then I'm able to act on the, the words of my blessing and my actions follow. And I can start to say, what can I do that will bless you? Not because of what I'm going to get from you and not even because I want you to get saved, but purely because you are loved by your heavenly daddy. And I want you to have a radical encounter with his love when you're in my presence. How bad if every person who we know that hates Jesus or that we don't know who doesn't look like us, we they get to have a radical encounter with Jesus when they're in our presence? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> the problem is often we want to do those things. Um, because for people who we like, who are like us, you know, for our families or our friends, we're happy to pray for them and bless them and do good for them. But what would it look like if actually we spent more time doing that for people who, who aren't our friends, who are actually our enemies? Man, radical, wouldn't it? It'd be so radical. The reality is, is that we can't do this in and of our own strength, right? We, we are... Um, totally dependent on Jesus to be able to love, to experience his love and to be able to give that love away. We're not of this world. We are new creations. We are aliens, foreigners, but we get to live in this world and love this world with the love that he has given us. So we have a new nature. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're one with the one who so loved the world. We are one with love. And we are countercultural people. We do not surrender to the culture that's around us, the negative culture, but we actually change the culture with the love of God, by being who He says we are, by experiencing His love, by operating as those new creations, those new creatures that He's made us to be, full of the Holy Spirit, walking in His love. Whew! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, I just want to say, so we can only do that in the power of his love because we're one with him, right? And it says in in verse 45 and verse 48, it says, verse 45 says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. And then verse 48 says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father is perfect. Now, I don't want any of us to think that we're earning our sonship by doing these things, by loving our enemies. We are already his sons. If we've said yes to him and we've said yes to salvation that he, he did for us, that we once we said yes to that, we're in the family. We are his sons. We're insiders. We belong. And from that place of belonging, we get to be like our daddy. We get to operate with his love to the world around us. We're not doing it to earn his love or to to prove that we're loved. And we're not even getting perfected by doing good deeds. We get to do good deeds because he's already made us perfect. He looks at us and he says, I so love you. I've created you to do good works. Go do them. I love you. Go in my love. You can do it. You can love. Here, receive the love that I have for you right now. Let it cleanse you and wash away the pain. And you can go and give that love away. That's what we have. We, we don't have to earn it. We don't have to prove it. We get to do it out of our relationship with him. Oh, he's so good. He's so kind. He's not set us up to fail. He's given us absolutely everything that we could ever need to love, even our worst enemies. Oh, he's a good dad. It's hard, but it's very possible in him. As I said before, John 3.16, God loved the world, and it caused him to act It caused him to do something, to move towards, and that's our invitation. Who in your life is an irritant to you? Who are you a little bit afraid of because they're quite different to you? Who has hurt you or said some unkind things to you? What group of people have you felt like, oh, I don't want to be associated with them? I think God's inviting you to step a little bit closer, to take a step let go of the fear and say, I'm going to do something completely opposite to what you would expect me to do. I'm going to love you no matter what, no matter what. And I'm saying this, I'm not negating that you may have been really hurt by people and you need to deal. We need to deal with that pain. But it doesn't need to stop us from being so transformed by the love of God that we can walk in you levels of love, to be motivated by love, to have a desire to bless. I want to read a story before I wrap up. I want to read this story, which really struck me about, that kind of really demonstrates this love, this radical love of enemies. And I don't know if you guys remember, back in 2012, um, the uh, owner of Chick-fil-A or the CEO or whatever, Dan Cathy, he uh, made a, a, pub, a stand um, because he refused to support gay marriage and he, he made a public stand against that and um, so some things happened because of that but it, the story doesn't end there, it, he actually did things, while he stood for the truth, He acted in a way that was loving and moved towards the very people that could have felt like he was their worst enemy. And I just want to read this article, a little bit of this article to you. It says, details, um, uh, uh, there was a heated controversy in the summer of 2012 over Dan Cathy's refusal to support gay marriage. It was polarizing on both fronts as those for gay marriage boycotted Chick-fil-A and those opposed... ...flocked to the popular eatery. See that? Us and them. Gathering in the us and them groups. Right? They said, we did what we are too... He said, we, are, we did what we are too good at... ...opposing our enemies. But not Chick-fil-A's CEO, Kathy. He moved toward his enemy... ...Shane Windermeyer, Campus Pride Director... ...gay activist and openly gay man... Kathy reached out to hear more about LGBT concerns regarding his company. Kathy modeled something powerful when he said, We don't have to agree with our enemies, but we still have to honor and love them. Much to everyone's surprise, Windermeyer came out as Kathy's friend in a Huffington Post article. So the love that he showed for this man, saying, We may not agree, but I want to move towards you and understand your heart. I want relationship with you. Cause this man to publicly admit that he was friends with the very man that could have been his enemy. And this is what Dan Cathy said. The current cultural milieu seems to have hoodwinked us to believe that that the false premise that we must both agree with and bless our enemies' choices in order to love them. Christianity does not give us permission to dishonor or disregard those whom we perceive as enemies. It does not require us to come in lockstep with their perspectives as a prerequisite to sharing the love of Christ. Kathy seemed to get this. When we can grasp the reality that others are worthy of our love simply because they are made in God's image not because they agree with us, bridging ideological divides becomes possible. How might our lives look if instead of cutting off relationships, we choose to say, I don't share your conviction on that topic, but I would like to hear more about why this is important to you. If nothing else, listening well dials down defensiveness and allows for empathy, which moves us in the direction of love. I really believe that the Lord is inviting us as a community to be people who move in the direction of love, who don't get into the us and them and dehumanize and label and criticize and throw stones from the other side of the fence. But we're so filled with love for our neighbor, for our brother, for our sister, and for our worst enemy that we're willing to step over the fence, to walk towards them, to deal with the issues of our heart, to stand in our truth, in the truth of the word, but to love wholeheartedly and unconditionally, not based on whether they believe the same things as we do. How radical would that be? Imagine a world where that kind of love is happening more and more on a daily basis Man, I think people will be irresistibly one to Jesus because who can deny that kind of love? I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I know I couldn't when I didn't love Jesus. I um, I just want to invite you to stand. I, I, I want to remind you. So, with our enemies, what can we do? We love them. We bless them. We do good for them, and we pray for them. Start with prayer praying for people who've hurt us, who've persecuted us. Bless them. Speak blessing over their lives and do good to them. Allow that blessing to turn into a way that we could serve and honour and love those who are in front of us. Now, I recognise that while I've been talking, you may, have, um, you may have been thinking of someone in particular, someone who's hurt you. Someone who has behaved like an enemy to you. Or maybe you're aware that you see so, you perceive someone as an enemy because they don't agree with you. They're very different to you. I think we could probably all think of somebody. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to show us because I really feel like there's a powerful exchange that's going to happen where in this moment we get to exchange hatred or rejection, or pain, or bitterness and anger for love and forgiveness. I just want to say this, Jeremiah 29.7 says, "'Seek the peace and the prosperity, or the welfare of the city, to which I have carried you into exile.'" pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You might feel like you're an exile where God's got you in the city, in this city, in your workplace city, in your school city, in your family city, in your marriage city, in the grocery store. You may feel like an exile because you're an alien. You're you're foreign to the world. But Jesus is inviting us to seek the peace, the wholeness, the shalom of heaven in these places, in our schools, in our workplaces, to seek the prosperity of these places, to pray to the Lord for our place of work, for our boss, for our colleague, for our the student who sits next to us. Because if it prospers, we also get to prosper in that. And I believe that is the the kind of send that Jesus has for us today, that we go out, even though we may feel like an exile, but we get to pray and shift the atmosphere and bless these places, and therefore blessing just bubbles up and flows, and then we get to be blessed. But first of all, I just want to invite you to to come to the Lord right now, to come to the Holy Spirit and to ask Him to deal with maybe some, some pain in your heart. Maybe there's some unforgiveness that you have towards someone who's treated you like an enemy. If you would just close your eyes and just open up your heart and your hands, I want you just to picture that person. You know, Nelson Mandela said, when he was walking out of prison, he said, as I walked out the door, toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. I think Jesus is inviting us to be really brave and let go of bitterness today, where people have treated us harshly, where people have behaved like we were their enemies, or they've, they've persecuted us, or they've trodden on us, or they've shut our voice off, they haven't given us a voice, or they've punished us when we've been trying to do something good, or they've competed with us, or perhaps they've physically harmed us or verbally abused us. Jesus is inviting us today to just get in touch with the pain, recognize that it's cost, their relationship has cost us. But I feel him inviting us to release it, to let go of bitterness. So just picture that person and I want to invite you just to say their name. And just just as if you're talking to them, say, you hurt me. That hurt me. That caused me pain. What you did, it was really painful. What you said to me when you when you told me I was no good, when you told me I couldn't do it, when you told me that I was too broken, when you told me I wasn't good enough, when you overlooked me, when you didn't tell me that I was worthy of love, when you hit me, when you shouted at me, that hurt me. I want to I give you permission right now just to get in touch with that pain and just release it. Jesus... We welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, just come and wash over each of us. Cleanse us. And we release the bitterness. We release the unforgiveness. We choose today, just say to them, I give you a gift of forgiveness today. If you would like to forgive them, just say, I give you a gift of forgiveness today. A gift that you don't deserve, but I give it to you freely. What I've received from the Father, I give freely to you. I release you. I let you off the hook. I rip up all of the excuses. And I forgive you. And I also just really felt like the Holy Spirit wants to just come and fill us. Fill us with his love for the world around us. But also invite us to repent, where we've looked at people and judged them and, and actually behave like an enemy towards them, and push them away or cut them off. And I want to give you that opportunity. If you recognize that there have been people that you really you, want to, you need to repent for the way that you've treated them, or you've looked at them, maybe those Democrats, maybe those liberals. Maybe, I don't know, you know, the Holy Spirit will show you. But if you feel like there's stuff in your heart, the the Father, I feel like He's just wanting us to repent and to give it to Him and to just say, God, forgive me, forgive me. Just as Jesus said on the cross, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. God, would you forgive me for judging? Forgive me for my hatred. Forgive me for persecuting. Forgive me for pushing away. Forgive me for criticizing, for not seeing with your eyes. And just fill me with your love. Fill me with your love.